Good old boys. I'm Mark. Bog Beef. Fredo. Still got it? You know we do. Let's get that money. I know Duder's got it. That was a great, great song. Oh, is that his? Yep, yeah. Clear My Head, his newest. I was going to say that I thought that was, if I had to guess, I was going to think it was from an 80s movie. Yeah. I mean, that, sure. I mean that as a compliment, not a, you know, I love We you. know when you say that, you mean it as a compliment, bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what everybody said in the chat, and I think that's what he was going for, especially look at the artwork. So it sounded like Blade Runner, et cetera. Fantastic track, Duder. The perfect uh, thing that that would be for would be imagine like a noir movie set in the 50s but made in the 80s. That's what that would be the perfect soundtrack for. Absolutely. Uh, that's that, that's my that's my jam. All right. Tonight's going to be serious in more ways than one. So I know we're probably going to have a little more listeners than usual. We're on uh, multiple. We're streaming multiple sources tonight. Everybody's looking forward to tonight. If you're not listening live, you'll be listening on the the Patreon feed. WBS Apparel in the chat. We've inked the deal. We'll have merch very, very soon. Uh, WBSApparel.com, White Boy Summer. Uh, check them out. Funny t-shirts, funny patches, very funny guys, and high-quality stuff. I don't, I don't know. Sorry. I don't want to say what's available right now, but some of the promos. Yeah, they got it. They got the Cryptech orange uh, Happy Hunter hat. That'll be a good look here. I don't know if hunting season is right around the corner and I am ready. Let me ask you is how much real tree apparel do you own? Ah, fair amount. I like real tree. I, I, um, I was always, I never really was, was that into real tree until I saw till, um, I saw the way Stone Cold Steve Austin rocked it. <laughs> you know, he was the one that, for me, put the, uh, just the, the, now there's like 20 different kinds of real tree, but like, um, uh, I just remember him having the classic real tree with the oversized hoodie, uh, you know, with the gold chain. I was like, that is a, that is a really good look for red deck. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, you know, Realtree now just makes like regular clothes. You're, you know, you can go get you, you can, can buy a, a freaking car that's Realtree. <laughs> Back in the day, if you used to get get cans of spray paint and paint old, you know, paint old Jeep camouflage, now you can just <laughs> you can get one custom made. I guess I I found I there was a I saw somebody wearing a Realtree polo shirt. That's yeah. pretty wild. Not camouflage, I mean, just like a regular a regular old polo shirt that was real tree yeah they also got the bass bagger the blue real tree for the it's for being out on the water it looks really good and it's the um uh the fish jack it's it's a it's a, it's a very funny shirt i laughed my ass off for a funny hat first time i saw it it's a you know it's a bass fish but he's got a wojack ish mouth kind of thing but um yeah white boy summer shout out to them i mean so do we have any business before we get to the business that everybody's been talking about for the last like four you, days? You know, like a week ago, I had a, a great idea and I wrote a really funny uh, monologue. And then the story happened and I'm like, well, you forget that. The monologue takes like half an hour to actually get through. So forget that. We're just going to throw that in trash. But so, but I do want to start. By the way, I don't, you, we didn't talk about this beforehand. 
I don't know if you know, but I didn't know this till listening lately, listening to people that are um bigger time than us. But um, you know, like Oron, uh, from what I understand, uh, I picked this up listening to him. Shout out to Oron, he's doing great things. Is uh, Oron McIntyre? Check him out YouTube. Um, working for the Blaze. Uh, who are you know? By the way, it's no small thing that Oron is out there saying what needs to be said, and the base the Blaze is backing him up. That's not a, that's not something that, that happened three or four years ago. No, <laughs> no, no, it's not. I mean, it, it, you can see the movement. Uh, like, I'm not a really fan of him, but Ben Shapiro has has been has moved. And who was the other, who's the other guy? The um, oh shoot, well, well, Trump Charlie moved. Kirk. Yeah. Oh, Charlie Kirk definitely moved. Yeah, these people were not. They were pretty basic uh, neocon young guys on the internet. I mean, they're not, they, they probably still, they probably still are, but they had to change their language. They had to change their, what, what they profess to believe in public. Well, you know and, what that is. I mean, what, what, what it is adapt it, or die. These guys, I mean, and it's so, um, I don't know if you can believe this. Or not a lot of people don't believe this. I don't really, I, I kind of wish people did. I kind of wish people believe the, I do wish people believe the, um, what's not true. Like, um, I've never had, like we, I've never been in any kind of situation. I mean, honestly, I can't imagine where I'm like offered money for a certain opinion or something like that, or especially like, you know, something super specific, um, you know, like, um, basically, you know, the the political people, politics, because you vote on, because you in mass politics, because people vote on stuff. There's a huge amount of bullshit. That's kind of what we're going to be talking about tonight. Uh, there's mass. There's tons of people that uh, just, you know, they say what their donors tell them to. Uh, well, anyways, th- th- that just happens a lot. I've never been in that position. I like women to believe that, that I am in that position, that Peter Thiel cuts <laughs> us checks. That's, that would be awesome. Um, but um, uh, still, there it's a negotiation. I mean, there are people that I know are basically paid to, uh, you know, monitor or to mess up the right wing or whatever. You know, you can think of the David, like David French can't hold that position anymore because he's, uh, you know, he's out of that job. He It's a negotiation. So even if you're like a secret agent working, you know, against the right, but you've got some media job or something, you still have to sort of negotiate with the times. And you know David French couldn't couldn't do that, so he's out. So he has no real ability to influence people on the right anymore. Sorry. Uh, so even guys who uh, you know, it's kind of like the old classic thing. And I tell people it's like it, it. Politics is very it's very very complicated the way things interact. You know, there's a lot of different crazy theories that try to explain this. It's not something that you can just easily explain and hold in your hand. But like, uh, this is the, the old, um, uh, what, what, do you, what do you call a fed, the fed thing? Like, uh, if you, if, if you are the secret police and you send feds to infiltrate an institution because you don't like the institution, it's not immediately clear. Like if you're going, if that is going to help them or hurt them, uh, cause I mean, first off, if they're going to, sometimes infiltrate- people just go native for one thing. 
Well, that that's one possibility. But the other thing is they don't even, like they don't even have to. Like the, the the one thing is if you send if you send some guy to and I've said this thousand times, I won't say it a long time. If you send these like super secret agents to monitor these people and they don't do anything illegal, you just added like some like you know badass ex Navy SEAL to their ranks, and he can't really like he's still going to go to the meetings and all this kind of stuff and uh, fill out the ranks and look good in the pictures if they don't do anything illegal or, or, you know, he had, doesn't have anything to report. So I don't know. It is politics is always like this. And of course, class example, Adolf Hitler was supposed to just spy on the Nazis. He was a fed. He was a secret agent working for the legit, like, I don't know if he was, he working for the legitimate government or one of these like veterans groups or whatever. I don't know. I'm not down with my Hitler lore. Like Malcolm is. You have to ask him. I'm pretty sure he was just working for the government, and he was out of his um, out of his job as a spy or whatever. I mean, it went from uh, you know, one of these uh, he was a runner in the military, which that's not exactly a spy, but you're sort of working on your own. You know what I mean? Being a runner in World War One was very dangerous. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah. Anyways, okay. So here's the deal. Here, okay, here's the deal about tonight, and um. So I want to offer something that there's going to be a lot of things that you're going to hear in the next, who knows how long this is going to be. Now, for one thing, I'm old enough that I've been here before. I've been here before. I remember this was what, 2006? Oh man, it was, there was one in like 2000. Wasn't there one in like 2002 or 2001? You know, there, there was like. There's been like four of these little wars in the last 20 years. <laughs> they they go, uh, the guys, they do an attack. They run over to southern Lebanon. And I don't want to get spoilers, all this kind of stuff. And the Hezbollah's there. And uh, Yeah, but this, I mean. We haven't got that far yet in this Okay. One. We haven't right. got that far in this uh, Anyways, but we've been here. We've been in this kind of situation here before. Okay, uh, but here's the deal. So what, what can we offer you that's, that's different? Well, here's. So a lot of things, uh, I get this a lot with the patronage stuff, uh, which we, by the way, we do have to have time to cover like probably the greatest patronage story in the news in the past, you know, a couple of years or something. Uh, but, uh, so part of the deal with the patronage is that every now and then people be like, you know, they'll listen to it, they're into it. And they're like, wait a minute, you're just sort of like restating like the most basic poli sci one-on-one stuff. It's like, yeah, yeah. Now, there's a reason I do that. Okay, here's the deal. Like, and you can believe this or not. This is absolutely true. Like, you might not believe this because if any other person told you this, you would say that's, um, you know, I don't really believe that. That's not what an ordinary person is like. You may have figured out by now, I'm not an ordinary person. I'm kind of nuts. (laughs) Uh, Would you agree with that, Merrick? Yeah, yeah. I've been saying that for years. Yeah, I'm kind of nuts. I'm kind of out there. And so I kind of get get off on these wild things. And so <laughs> what are the wild things? You know, there's this thing that sort of bothered me for a long time. You ever hear this? And it's not untrue. Uh, people will say something like this. You can learn more about how people think by becoming like a great movie critic or reading great fiction books than you can read great nonfiction. Part of it is because the the human brain just understands these stories, these 
beautiful little stories better than it understands anything else. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Well, I, I mean, if, if, if I was going to take the, there's pros and cons to this argument, if I take the pro side, the pro side would be when you read a uh, nonfiction, when you read a history book, you were reading the, like the propaganda of the people who won whatever happened between those two periods of time. When you look at their fiction, you can do like you can do this um, forensic evaluation of it. You can say, well, why are they why are they saying this? Why are they pushing this? Like if if you take a like I like 20th century movies, you know, pretty much all of them between the term, you know, let's say the 50s and the in up until the 2000s. You can tell exactly what the people making that film believe and what they're trying to make other people believe just by watching them. You know? Yeah, yeah, but you, yeah, but you are cheating, right? So what I'm talking yeah, about, sure. Like there are people you can get like really smart about like the world by um, studying Shakespeare really hard and stuff like that, and just the way that the interactions and the love story and all this stuff. It, <laughs> yeah. Because and, and that's not wrong. However, there's another side to that, and the the other side to that is that the the human mind. It's not really, it's not this thing that, that, that you might, that, that uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson or these kinds of things sort of purported to be. The human brain more easily traffics in bullshit, especially with a good story, than anything else. I mean, like, it, there are, if you try to, if you, like, really, the really basic truths are very difficult to keep, like, <coughs> centered in your brain. We talk the, the the classic example from sports is the triangle. Uh, we talked about this before, so I'm not going to beat it again. But like, uh, if you think about, well, we got it, like you know the triangle. It's, you know, there's this crazy geometric shape, and there's you know there's this big book, and you got to understand all the ins and the outs. It's just this dumb trick to try to force you to think, oh, well, the best thing in the world you can possibly do in basketball is just pass the ball a lot instead of dribbling and driving so you should always pass the ball so it's just a stupid trick to try to keep your mind where it pointed it at this one simple great truth which is very hard for us by the way i don't know exactly why i mean i'm not that smart i haven't gotten that far down it it's not really all that important i think boredom is one thing i think there's there's kind of this stuff we talk about a lot with like things like addiction and stuff where like um uh you know, your brain is, your brain is not always on your team. You know what I'm saying? Optimizing for a different thing than you want it to be optimizing for. Oh, that's you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Yeah. Like it, it's, it's on your team. It's just not like, it's not, it's not on the same playbook. If that makes sense. That's a great point. But like, <laughs> you know, like uh, someone who's a heroin addict, their brain's like, Hey buddy, you want another, you need to go get another shot of that heroin. It'd be awesome. Um, so yeah. Uh, okay. So that, that, wh why am I saying all this? What I'm saying is I'm not talking down to you. Um, by the way, I'm talking down to me. This is the only way I can ever sort of, uh, keep things straight in my brain. It's just to hammer the basic points in my head over and over again. Cause I want to get off in the la la land and start telling myself fun stories and all this bullshit instead of the truth. The other thing is, it's, it's usually not fun to talk about like hardcore truth. Now, uh, there's more layers to this, but let's so start out. There's this thing. A lot of people don't know this because of the way that the U.S. military has professionalized. Back in the day, 
everybody's grandpa was in the, the Korean war or the world war two and all this stuff. So people were just around people, uh, that were in the military. You've ever seen Beavis and butthead, or I think, um, I think, um, uh, what was the later on show he did with the, in Texas, King of the, the Hill. King of the Hill. I think this basically, so this basically becomes, that was Mr. Anderson on, um, uh, Beavis and Butthead. Well, I don't know what his name is. And yeah, same voice. Uh, same voice. Hank Hill. Yeah, Hank Hill. Right. And uh, I saw an interview, and he was like, "Well, who is that guy?" And then he's like, "Well, that's every single guy above a certain age growing up in the South. That's all of them." And you know why they all like the same way? Because they were all in the service. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I guess that was a little bit like we're too young to remember that they were all really old by the time we were old enough to like understand people. You know. Yeah, but that's true. Well, but like, I mean, Vietnam vets weren't though, Merrick, right? I mean, like I remember all the. I mean, when I when you and I were in elementary school, all the guys that are our age now were were Vietnam vets. I mean, I mean, I guess less Vietnam vets than like say the generation before. Yeah, it was really, everybody that was in the World War Two or something. Yeah, but there like were World a War lot II, of Vietnam vets. There were, but you think like World War Two in Korea. They're like if you were Mike Judge's age, who's older than us, he can remember a time when basically every adult man who wasn't 4F probably saw some kind of service. You know, he I mean that's a fair that. point. I'm probably kind of biased too because my first boss was a World War II vet, so like I just I was always around it. You know what I mean? Just because like this is the guy that I worked with every day and told me what to do every day. And he'd be, we'd be like, you know, doing very mundane things, and he'd be like, oh, you know, it's at uh, three o'clock, like, you know what I mean? Because he was a, he was a fighter pilot over the Pacific. Yeah. By the way, yeah, just to toot my own horn, I got into an argument with Peter Zehan the other day on Twitter, and um, everybody told me I was right, and then eventually he agreed I was right, and he said, well, it was just a technical misunderstanding. Yeah, I'm, he's one of those guys you were talking about earlier, which is his job is just to is he's a smart guy and his job is to just believe ridiculous stuff and say it and say it out loud and like present it in a way that sounds in te- semi intelligent. Yeah, but, but anyways, um, and what we were talking about was some of this stuff, but some like here's the like uh part of this stuff where he was talking about the military being very this this thing that produces all this liberal culture i was like you mean the part of the the only part of the government is like 90 percent men where like uh like liberal values like literally can't exist in any of these environments for example like why are all those old guys why are they all the same guy well because that's part of the military experience so that like if you ever see boot camp that, like the point of boot camp is to destroy your individuality that's not a, that's not a problem or a conspiracy theory that's a life or death necessity in the military. Uh, you have to anyways, but sorry, but one of the things that comes with this military culture, one of these things that sort of goes with this stuff is uh, you have to be truth, truthful and direct all the time. Uh, you can't say like, um, you know, it, like the kind of thing that ha- it's not a good idea to do this all the time in your regular life. If, if your wife asks if her ass looks big in those jeans, you say no. In the military world, you have to say yes. You might you might want to update that, <laughs> that well, analogy for the 21st century, buddy. Well, that's going to hurt the military, by the way. But the reason is that... 
in life or death situations, when people are shooting back at you and stuff, you can't, you can't put that layer in front of things that you say. You just have to be super honest all the time. No matter if you're talking to, uh, your, the guy above you or whatever, you have to be like, this happens in the military all the time. Hey, you're getting fat. You need to eat less chunky. By the way, I just Googled it because I was curious the question you asked. I didn't, since we're, you know, we're live, whatever. I didn't have time to go into it deep, but it could be as many of the guy, the men who were in that age range, like a quarter of those men were in the military during World War II. A quarter of the men who were eligible for service, which is a pretty big chunk of the, of the male population. That's, yeah. that's a ridiculous, like, uh, something like, 12 like what this is 12 percent of the entire population was in the military in world war ii that's clear that's clearly men and women right and by the way yeah it's illegitimate scholar i know he was in he was in the marine corps simplified thank you for your service we're going to talk about why we say things like that in this episode uh because i know that sounds crazy if you're a zoomer you're like why would you do that that's silly you know, it's, it's more dangerous to drive a to drive a van or something to drive a, a bus for the city. Blah blah. blah. We're going to talk about that. But um, so you know, uh, of course, this doesn't mean people that join the military have no uh, individuality. How like during that boot camp, and he was in the corps, so I know the Marine Corps boot camp is one of the roughest boot camps there is in the world. Um, you uh during that you know and by the way you you know you you always have to there's always this sort of distance you have to keep between it and yourself this is kind of what the beginning of um there's a great zizek lecture who's zizek was this very successful in the military he had a a, a decent career in a, mil, in a military setting he knows what the military is like uh you you uh you know in the only person who sort of copes with uh marine corps basic in what was that movie with the Marine Corps basic in it? Full Metal Jacket? Full Metal Jacket is, <laughs> is Joker because he keeps this ironic distance to it, right? Yeah. He's doing it, but, you know, he has to joke and all this kind of stuff. That's totally normal. That's how you deal with it, uh, et cetera. It sort of puts these things in the back of your head in case we actually went to wartime, blah, blah, blah. Anyways. Okay, you got to be honest and truthful, blah, blah, blah. So we set up two things. Uh, so I'm going to be honest and truthful with people tonight and give you talk about really basic stuff, uh, which by the way, you don't have to listen to this. I don't mean this in an offensive way. <laughs> no, he's wrong. You do have to listen to this. <laughs> no, here's, here's the thing. Um, uh, which by the way, we're going to talk about tonight this whole time. We're talking about like what could happen to the Palestinians, what could happen to the Jews, uh, like two weeks ago. Basically, I didn't hear about this anywhere except for on Argent Templar's channel. Uh, 150,000 people were in uh, were successfully ethnically cleansed out of their region they've occupied for thousands of years. They signed the paperwork. They said they'll be out of there forever by twenty by January first, twenty twenty four. Put an asterisk by thousands of years because that region that's been roiling around since the Russian empire days. I don't know if it's that long, but yeah, since at least, since at least the end of the cold war, they've been there, but they're gone. Yeah. Uh, there was, there was a war between like, there was a war back in what? 2020, 21, whatever, between Armenia and Azerbaijan and Azerbaijan won. And 
the war was kind of over this enclave within Azerbaijan that was full of Armenians, and they uh, the 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 prime minister of Armenia basically said, "You guys are on your own," and that like their little enclave is gone now, or exclave, whatever. Right. Well, we'll cover that. But however, that's great that you said that because here's the deal. So, uh, by the way. I, how many people listening knew that? I would imagine very few. I didn't know about it. Uh, and, you know, the world isn't wor- isn't uh, worse off because you didn't know that. You probably weren't going to do anything about it anyways. There's nothing wrong with that. There's all kinds of bad things going on in your life. You, you, you know, there's uh, going on in the world. Uh, if there's, you know, you, you should be way better off worrying about people in your family, your own country, blah, blah, blah. In other words... You, you have no duty to tune in to um, all the bad things that are going on in the world. However, you're still here, and you want to hear about bad things in the world. So we're going to talk about it. So uh, here's some, some facts that you may not want to um, consider. Uh, having money is awesome. <laughs> Life is easier if you look good. <laughs> Paris, France is full of garbage. Rome is full of pickpockets and thieves. Getting shot with a gun sucks. You know, these, these are all, if you, if you have that extra slice of pie, you will get fat. And yes, you probably need to buy a new belt. These are all, (laughs) these are all things that you basically know are true. And I'm, I'm not your boss. I'm not your uh, parole officer. You don't have to let, you don't have to hear this kind of S from me. Okay. So don't take any hard feelings. However, let's get started. Uh, we talked about those people getting uh, ethnically cleansed like a couple days ago. You immediately went to uh, a subject um, that's three letters long, and it starts with W. You immediately start talking about wars. Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw a lot of brain-dead commentary all week about <laughs> yeah. um, why Israel exists. This is like, I'm not saying military people are the smartest people in the world. But you will notice that anybody that had like a long career in the military, uh, especially officers and stuff, whenever this subject comes up of things like Israel and Palestine, they always go right to the things that matter. Uh, and I know, like, why, why would that be? Are they just smarter than everyone else? Well, the military is is and wars. Well, here's the, we'll put it there like this: Why does Israel exist? Because they have an army and because they win, they've won wars. If you want. If you want Israel to not exist, the only thing, the only thing that will uh, that will kick them out and, and put the, and, and put the Palestinians back or whatever uh, will be if they lose wars with their army. Yeah, I saw this great commentary, but some guy who is like a professional warrior, professional fighter, though he fights people in the sport. In other words, he doesn't know anything about stuff like this. So he said, "Why don't the Jews just go to Madagascar?" You know, why don't they just go there instead? Well, guess what? You can look up Madagascar. You can look up any piece of dirt on the ground that any that someone claims. In other words, like um, I think you can you could go to uh, the only places that Jews could go without this being true would be like Antarctica or something. Good luck. Uh, but uh, if you go to, to Madagascar, there are guys. There's a there's a freaking army that has guys with uniforms. It's all it's all uh, eighteen to twenty five year old males with machine guns that would kill you if you tried to take Madagascar. 
This is true for every square inch of dirt on this earth. Can I interject here with a little, like a little helpful tip? And it's it's not no. specifically about this, but it's like a general thing. You know, we've talked about this with Malcolm before. He likes to bring use the um, the uh, the Canary was the Canary Islands with the, the Tenerife air disaster, where those two jumbo jets crashed into each other. One was taking off, and one was landing. And like, one of the reasons why was when they would talk to like the, the dispatchers, they would say, "Okay, I'm ready to take off." And they, after this, they decided we shouldn't do that. The only time you should say "take off" is when you are telling somebody you should take off. This is a this is a like this word when you hear it, it will trigger associations, and you will know things are things are shaking. Right? It's mm-hmm. a it's a loaded word. Whenever you're talking about this, if you want to avoid the eye of Sauron, aka uh, Mr. Bezos and YouTube and whatever, you, you uh, say Jewish people. Just oh. try that instead of the other thing. Okay. It, Means what? the same. Now, this is not like for you specifically, but like whenever you talk about this and it, with somebody, and like I, people have been talking about this this but, crap nonstop. Well, by the way, you can't really say that for this because there are there are Jewish people uh, who don't give an ass about Israel. Right. So, like, why would you say? Well, yeah. Why? Yeah. But you get what I, you get what I'm saying, right? Now, now, plenty. Like, by the way, real talk. I mean, I've talked to plenty of them that have never been there. Maybe they went to the What's that tour you go on to? B- birthright when you go to college. Yeah, birthright. birthright. Yeah. yeah, that's a really good idea. By the way, that's like a really clever thing that they that they did. Yeah, they go get you get you lo- get you loaded, get you laid over there, and uh, yeah. Uh, so okay, well, there's a lot of them where the deal is like this. Um, these are usually people that got a bit of doomer in them, and they're like, "Well, I don't really care about Israel, but like." Uh, if this place falls apart, at least I got somewhere to go. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Well, I mean, no, uh, well, yes, that's true. But like what I think what happens with that, and we talked about this in the past. You remember when we were, when we were younger men and we were it's right in the age where people who were in college were going on birthright. I think you knew one who went on birthright and like it changes their perspective because if they're American, if you're American and you were in your R age, you've never been allowed to like, uh, you couldn't get good boy points and be nationalist. That being nationalist was always bad. Mm-hmm. You go there and you get a you get a big hit of like uh, raw nationalism. And by the way, uh, people are enjoy people, Americans are enjoying that right now, which is always part of when the, the Israel Palestine stuff pops up. It's vicariously enjoying being ultra nationalist by people who are too chicken shit to be ultra nationalist for their own country. Yes. Now that that's a huge part of it. Uh, part of this is that uh, all that stuff we talked about with the wars and armies. Like, if you're Canadian, you're sitting around thinking, like, well, that doesn't mean like, I, you know, who cares about that? Uh, we don't have you know this powerful army or something. All the stuff that Israelis do, you guys did that one time. You have great grandpas that went and settled somewhere and fought the Indians. And they joined the army and they shot people. And that's why you have a country. So like, by the way, nations, isn't the only real model for how the earth works, but, um, it's how it works now. And there's reasons why it's a pretty popular game. It's it's part of it. It's kind of a game. It's a way that the world has decided things will work. And the way the world decide is there's this game. If you got an army, 
because really, really serious things are settled by armies. A lot of things aren't settled by armies. You'll say, well, just use the, um, what do they say, the uh, sanctions and stuff like that. Well, sanctions only go so far. If you have a serious issue, like, hey, people with your religion shouldn't live there anymore. Well, you're going to need an army. That's what armies are for. And every all these countries, they got armies. Now, the thing is, all of you guys forgot that about your country. You don't remember that stuff because your countries are older than the people who died. This country isn't. This country popped off. All the, the George Washington of Israel uh, is like all these people. All this stuff happened in the freaking 70s. It was 70s, late 60s. Well, I mean, <laughs> 1948, right? But okay, yeah. Through I always, this, I always through, think of the the was the Seven Day War, right? You could say you could say it started in 48 and 67 is really when things solidified to something that we'd recognize today. Well, the Seven Day War, people said, "Well, hey, this bullshit is out. We're gonna kick you guys out. You have to yeah. fight a war to keep what you got." Yeah, uh, and by, by the way, it's not just that, like, I mean, it is partially that these countries be become rich and old, and that always happens, but there's also been a concerted effort to to make people not think about these things and discourage them from thinking about them, because if you did, you'd get really mad at the people who run who like, actually run your country. There are still places that are pretty old that do still have these, you know, they still have patriotism and respect for the military for military service and stuff like that it, it's that's not necessarily it's not the way we view it here is not necessarily all the cycle of history part of it is it's planned you know right uh yeah so viral load <laughs> brings up rhodesia in south africa they had armies good armies they had good armies but i mean they didn't like they were they were facing like essentially unlimited armies with unlimited backing, uh, which, you know, the resources is a huge part of it. Now, I, like, obviously, I mean, think about the, like the reason that I'm an American and not a Confederate, which by the way, it's because we lost the war. We lost the war. That's the reason. Uh, if we'd won the war, we'd be Confederates. There's no, there's nothing else to it. Uh, now, by the way, I mean, you talk about Rhodesia, talk about being the Confederacy, talking about, uh, you know, the North had like unlimited amount of Irish guys to throw in uniforms uh, and all, you know, all this stuff. Uh, we had, uh, you know, we had Stonewall Jackson. Who'd they have? We had Stonewall Jackson. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Um, so, yeah. Uh, anyways. Okay. So. <laughs> That that's the thing about the the war stuff and the armies and stuff. Uh, they're really important. Which, by the way, there's way there's more reasons why these things get bottled up. Like it. Um, so Netanyahu, he was he a general? Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. So Netanyahu, this this is what happens in countries is that uh, they always well, his, his brother was. I, I think he was too. His brother definitely was. It, right. Well, like. Guys like George Washington, what happens to them is, um, you know, he kind of stepped down gracefully, but if he didn't, what always happens is that um, uh, when institutions mature, you have a different sort of uh, archetype that finds ways to thrive. 
And part of that is finding ways to make the original aristocracy, which is aristocracies are military aristocracies to sort of phase them out. You know what I'm saying? Sure. That's something that happens. Like we talked about this. I talked about this regarding like, um, uh, you know, the Soviet union and all these kinds of things. Um, uh, like, by the way, if George Washington hadn't just stepped aside, if he had declared himself dictator of America, probably would have worked out better in the end, actually. Well, of course, just throwing that out there. Because people, a- we always brag about him in that way. That like, yeah, he he gave away all this incredible power, which is legitimately good. Like, that takes a good man to do that. But maybe he shouldn't have done it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, uh, we got people in the comments saying that he was a uh, he was a captain in the military. So that's definitely that's a classic old aristocracy thing. Uh, which I, I think, by the way, I think most of their prime ministers have well, so partially because in Israel, everyone's a veteran for the most part, right? Except for like some of the ultra Orthodox guys that are exempt from mandatory service. But I think like most of their prime ministers usually are veterans, right? Cause I saw even when they're, when the reserves got activated this week, there were one or two former prime ministers that got like are like out in the battlefield right now. Right, but I would I would hold this to only officers, like you know, even if you're, uh, I, I, I got they, they, they were, were all though, yeah. officers. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like Sergeant York was an ama- a better soldier than like ninety nine percent of people. However, uh, I don't think he was. If he I mean, if he was an officer, that would have been like you know they made him an officer at the end to, to for a party or whatever. But he wasn't. Um, he he wouldn't be considered part of like the officers as part of like this kind of military aristocracy. Uh, kind of thing. This is how this is how countries work. These guys get in; they're awesome at starting country. It's it's kind of like um, Stalin isn't the kind of guys that start institutions. He's the kind of guys that finish them. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> He's the kind yeah. of guys that take over. Um, but yeah, so I mean, I just want to talk about that a little bit. That like, um, there's there's a huge reality check that uh, why do they have a country? It's because they have an army. Uh, and the army is pretty good and they win wars. Now, the other part of this is that, you know, as soon as you dig into this kind of this, this particular conflict, hopefully we can start off with, did you do we like, it's, it's, oh, it's hilarious. This story moves just like all stories move so fast. Now, what's funny is if you do a weekly news show, you can never find an article that was like the, the original thing that happened. Which and I think in this case, do we do we have an article by the way? You want to talk about wait, the just the facts, ma'am, part of what happened, right? Is that well, what we're is that what we're doing? I just like to plant a flag at the first thing that happened. That's that's all. Well, okay, that that's pretty easy. The uh, Hamas from the Gaza Strip invaded Israel on October seventh. Yeah, October seventh. Right. That's the, that's the, that's the meat that's the meat of the story. They came across the border and attacked. Not just shooting rockets like they like they do all the time, not just like sporadic bombs or what you know whatever. Uh, no, they like this is like an invasion force. Right. Well, I mean, so they didn't play it on like holding ground, but they had a um they had a whole bunch of different guys doing all kinds of different things. Uh sort of low-tech guerrilla stuff, but like this sneaky surprise attack all at once 
which immediately raises lots of questions. Like, uh, before we even get anywhere in the story of like how this plays out, which I mean, you know, there's the, the, uh, like the Leninist analysis of, of politics is like who benefits. I mean, how could you even possibly do that with this story? It's like, this is mm. cut up like a million different ways who mm. benefit. Iran, yeah, Iran benefits. Wouldn't, you have, wouldn't that kind of an obvious I, one? Well, I mean, uh, there's so many different, like, well, think about this. Uh, Netanyahu was about to, like, get trumped over his, um, you know, his, his reform, his judicial reform bills. No one's going to care about all that crap anymore. Yeah, that was one of the early theories, right? That so I mean, one of the one of the early I'm not saying this is true, but one of the early theories on this was like, okay, well, this is the most intelligence patrolled area in the world, arguably, right? And this was a a coordinated attack that took like coordinated planning from probably thousands of people. You know, one of the things people said early on is like, there's no way that they couldn't have known about it. So it had to be something that, you know, Netanyahu let happen because it solved all his political problems for him. I don't think that that's true based on the brutality of the actual attack, but that was one of the early theories that went around. This is something people do, and and I've noticed this more and more as time goes on and things get get worse, not just in, in Israel, but pretty much everywhere in the West that like, well, this must be part of some master plan, 12 D chess master plan. It's not, it can't be just what it looks like, which is that they, they massively screwed up and didn't see this coming. Now I, I you know, whatever they could have, I'm, I'm sure they did have some forewarning that there was like something planned, but you know, that could have, that could mean, shooting rockets that could mean someone bombing a cafe or whatever it doesn't necessarily mean a thousand people pour across the border and and, and attack the country guerrilla style that was i'm guessing they didn't expect that because you don't this is the thing about these like if you're saying it's a false especially it's a false flag or like the pearl harbor situation the pearl harbor one is is the is the best analogy because there have been accusations since basically Pearl Harbor happened that like Franklin Roosevelt knew that it was going to happen and he let it happen to get into the war. But you, you don't let the Japanese Navy sink your entire fleet to get into the war. Like the Japanese Navy attacking your fleet is enough to get you in the war by itself. You don't need to let them sink everything. I, I, this is the thing. You don't need to let them. It, it could be. A thousand, pe- a thousand Israelis dead right now. That's that. It's probably not true because usually, when these kind of situations happen, they overestimate how many people were killed. But there could be a thousand dead Israelis. That's as many as like the entire the the first time this blew up in like two thousand and one, two two thousand, whenever. That was like how many they lost in over the entire four year span of. The, the back and forth low intensity war between the P, uh, the PLO and and the IDF that happened in like three days if you if you go by those numbers I don't think you let that happen on purpose if you're in charge of a country that, that you there's no way you cut it where you look good if that happened right so I mean uh, I agree with that however that shows you and I was just saying like a how complicated because like when you go to step one is okay there's an attack. All like from from the jump, the like you've already got like grounds for. There's some people that are going to check out right there and be like, "Well, okay." Step one, they did this secret attack. 
Uh, well, Mossad is the best intelligence service in the world. They wouldn't have missed it. Therefore, and then you can go into anywhere you want to. I don't agree with that. However, I mean, uh, you know, however, uh, you know, that, that, that's how this works. That's, that's what I was saying. I would, I do throw out the, um, the whole, like who benefits here, uh, because that you, you, you would get twisted into a thousand pretzels. Uh, not okay. So you have Netanyahu looks good because of this. I mean, he doesn't look good because of this. However, he got out of some kind of trouble he was doing with um, uh, the courts. Uh, the other big thing here, and I don't know if this is someone was people have already like without even like getting any news on this, they just start posting this as news because people just expect this to happen. Well, okay, so there's another side to this. Um, so obviously, there's this, um, uh, two religions in that region of the world that have had problems through a long time. It's kind of like two and a half. I don't know. You have the Sunni and the Shia thing going on as well. And uh, Israel was going to basically sign a deal with Saudi Arabia that would legitimize them on in the eyes of one of the biggest, most powerful, richest Muslim countries in the world. That was going to happen. As soon as this popped off, I haven't heard anything. I don't think I haven't seen the official stuff canceling that deal. However, I mean, it's very quite likely that they that that deal may be off the table. Yeah, I thought I actually did see an announcement that that was done um, as a result of this. And that's there. There's there's a bigger point here, too. And if I Bogby, forgive me if I'm getting too far out ahead. Go for it. But, you know. There's something you'll see is like, well, why why would they do this? Right. So like I've heard that, like, why would Hamas do this? They have to know like Israel is just more militarily powerful. The retribution is going to be far worse than whatever Hamas got away with in the early attack. Right. We have to th- we have to remember is like the goal that they're operating under is not to in the sense that you're talking about or we're thinking about like win a war against Israel. They would like to do that if they could, right? But I don't I don't believe they be- that they believe they have the ability to do that. The way they win in this situation is to make for a Jewish person living in either Gaza and West Bank or even Israel more broadly to make it stressful enough that when you have little kids you're going to decide living in New York city is a better option, right? Like that's really the, what I think the goal is here. And I, I, I'm not the first person that's had this idea. I've seen other people speak about this and I, I don't remember names. So if you had this take on Twitter and I'm stealing it, I apologize. It's not intentional, but that's the most likely scenario because there is no limit to Jewish immigration to Israel that the United States is going to put on, right? Realistically, that's unlimited. So the the more people that, I mean, and that's a very frequent immigration path just generally, right? The more people that they can convince to do that, that like they say like, yeah, you know, I'm a committed Zionist, but at the end of the day, I got to put my family first and this is just too dangerous. I don't want my kids growing up this way. And they move to the United States. I, I think that's the real goal. And they've got, they've got a chance over, you know, these guys think over generations, right? Like these are literally guys that are willing to just go die on suicide missions. So like, if you have that kind of mindset where you're thinking two, three generations down the line, 
that's a strategy you're going to take, you know? Yeah. Which, by the way, I mean, you're talking about what Americans and all the people watching this are, are disconnected of. You know, imagine being in a world, a war of civilizations that lasts for, you know, a thousand generations. Uh, you know, the chessboard war lasts for, you know, it, you know, a thousand generations. Like, wow, this really matters in a way that my shitty job doesn't or you know what i mean or uh or what nancy pelosi said to uh you know that some idiot republican they're like wow this this is a world where things really matter absolutely by the way i mean you know the whole time my i'm thinking in my heart well yeah you know my great grandparents were thinking we gotta we got to take washington dc we just gotta make the Yankees not reelect uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Abraham Lincoln. That was really all we had to do. Uh, you know, I had a little. Um, oh shoot, I had a little disagreement with Malcolm. Was it yesterday or today? Whatever. Uh, we were talking, we were discussing, you know, what the different strategies of these actors might be, and this is not quite the context it came up in, but. I want to sh I want to share this with you. So this is a population pyramid of of Israel, and for a Western country, this is actually really good. You can see the shape of it. It looks like a pyramid. It's a little bit top heavier than than you would like your pyramid to be. But like I said, by Western standards, this is a good pyramid. A lot, a lot of ours look like um, Christmas trees instead of this. Now, keep that keep that in mind. And let me give you, show you the Palestinians between the West Bank and Gaza combined. This is their population pyramid. This change, this is a changes the way you think about any conflict, because like when you when Fredo's talking about people who are thinking about the long term, well, in the long term, you know, thirty years from now, maybe not even thirty years from now, there's going to be as many there's going to be as many Palestinians as there are Israelis. It's not true right now. Right now, it's pretty much. Like what nine million Israelis and five million Palestinians? Well, if 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 you're them, it's a waiting game for you. And this is this is a very a very old story. Uh, if if you want a, a a recent Western example, look at the relationship between France and Germany. France was on the decline population wise throughout the I think, or let's say slower growth than Germany throughout the 19th century and early 20th century, and that led to a lot of problems when you have two rivals and one group is reproducing and just having a young, like a young society makes you different in essence. Do you know what I mean? You have well, a different, everything's different. That. And also remember that the Palestinians effectively can't leave because there's no country that'll take them. Like Egypt won't even take them. Right. Like they're, they're, uh, they, have no other options, right? Like it, other than to, you know, I guess I don't want to say fight for their freedom, but you get what I'm kind of yeah. saying. Israelis have, can go basically to anywhere in Western Europe or the United States. They effectively have completely open immigration. So and like they, they, they don't have their backs against the wall in that same way. For people listening and not, and not watching, let me help you out. The Israeli pyramid looks like a pyramid that's a little bit fatter on top than it should be. And the Palestinian pyramid looks like a Hershey's Kiss, if you've ever seen that. that Democrat, what, that's not a problem today, but that's a problem 20 years from now. And, you know, you, you don't want to be in that situation. You don't want to be pinned in 
the Gaza Strip with two million people and no power and no water. But they don't have anywhere to go. What are they going to do? It's either it's either fight or perish. If you know, those are the only two choices. It's not hard, right? And there's lots of countries nearby that'll give them guns. Uh, well, because that's they've been used that like they've been. But let's be honest about uh, the relationship with these these countries have. Like, if you if you cared about the Palestinians and you were Egypt and Jordan and all these surrounding countries that like fun, have given money to the PLO in the past and say and give all their their love and support to today to Hamas. Like, if you really love those people, you would have let them come and you you would have evacuated them from Palestine. Years and years ago, but it's handy to have this group of people here in this country you don't like who will <laughs> always cause them. Like, for example, now Iran, you know, the the, the 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 neocon boomers aren't wrong about this. Iran has a button they can push. And and they and by the way, they probably did push it here because they don't want Saudi Arabia and Israel to to make friends. Obviously, they don't. These are two people, two, two countries they hate. You don't want your enemies to come together. Like, isn't this one of the the biggest criticisms every sane person has had with our foreign policy with regards to Russia? We don't want Russia and China to be friends. Well, Iran does not want Saudi Arabia and Israel to be friends. You hit this button and you force the, the Saudis to say, go on the record and say who you back in this fight. And that's exactly what happened, and it went as predictably as... There's another point you made in there that kind of got glossed over by your second point, and that's, you know, these countries don't actually want to, like, accept the Palestinians as refugees. They just find them, like, a useful thing to use because they cause trouble, right, Mm -hmm. for someone they don't like. Uh, Really similar situation. They weren't nearly as effective in doing it, but the Soviet Union did that to the United States during the civil rights era. Right. Like they weren't like offering, you know, like African-Americans yeah. refugee status, but they were sort of happy to, to, you know, stir the pot, so to speak, and try to cause civil unrest in the U.S. Yeah, They were okay. airlifting brothers out of Detroit, but they would take Paul Robeson to, to go on TV and say stuff about how the Soviet Union was great and the United States is evil because it mistreated black people. Yeah. They gave a certain uh, ex-marine a um, uh, <laughs> a six-month vacation in Bosnia. <laughs> uh, which, I mean, uh, you know, uh, part again, part of the Civil War strategy was getting the French to look at the Confederates like this. Hey, maybe if we give these rednecks some guns, they'll cause some problems for the Yankees. Yeah, and the in in the Indian tribes in the United States were were that both in in. You know, war between the French and the British, the Revolutionary War, the War of eighteen twelve, the Civil War, every war until basically they were dispossessed completely. This is just how you. This is if you're smart and you have the ability to do this kind of foreign policy, you do it. So I, I don't. I saw people calling that a conspiracy theory about Iran being involved in this. Well, if Iran's not involved in this, Iran is really bad at foreign policy if they were if they didn't have a hand in this then they should fire their, their intelligence services yeah you can <laughs> that's funny uh Whippet says oswald came back because it was too cold i noticed that um uh i was i was looking at some some crazy boomer bought a hind d <laughs> uh you know for helicopter, one helicopter uh, military helicopter yeah like uh a very very serious military helicopter. There's nothing like it. 
like their uh, version of the Comanche or Apache, right? Well, no, no, it's it, we don't have anything like it. So it's it's like an A10 kind of. Right, right. It's full of it's super armor. Anyways, this boomer was giving a tour of his his hind D, and um, every single piece of this thing, like everywhere he went and every single thing he pointed to. Uh, you know, he would always say like, well, you know, this is exactly how I, this is exactly how it was used in Soviet Soviet Union, which is, that's how, you know, these guys are autistic about that. Cause that's the whole point of it. Um, he said, well, uh, well, like, what, you know, is this exactly how it came? Uh, you know, all this kind of stuff. And he's like, every single piece of it, he's like, well, there was a heater and we took it off. There was a heater. We took off every single piece of this helicopter had a heater on it. Because Russia is really, really cold. Yeah. Um, that, you know, the reason why, um, the only reason why the Volkswagen bug is air cooled is that's the only way it would have made it to Moscow's if it didn't have, if it didn't have, uh, radiator fluid. Um, so this is, this is the, the bear, the bear facts on, on October 7th. An indeterminate number of Hamas soldiers, fighters, whatever you want to call them, invaded Israel. Not just like the what, not just settlers or whatever. They went into Israel itself. They killed and and took hostage some number of people, at least in the hundreds, maybe up to a thousand people killed and a uh, hundred plus uh, taken hostage. There were aspects of this that were like. I mean, like entertaining from the from the outsider's perspective. Like, for example, Hamas used paragliders, which is like those you, you've seen. I'm sure you've seen them before. You sit in like a little chair that has a big propeller fan on the back of it, and it uses a you're held up by a parachute and you fly around. That people do it here all the time from the mountains, right? You see them people flying around in the summer all the time. Well, they loaded up two guys, gave them like an RPK and used them as airborne troops. I don't think it was like very effective and it wasn't very many of them, but just doing that was really um funny. Kino, whatever you want to call it. Because it's ghetto. Yeah, but it, it, I mean ghetto in a way that like it sounds like something that they that they would have tried in World War Two, you know. Like gliders were ghetto. Well, it's a. I mean, it's just funny because in here it's a beach thing. Like it's something you do on the yeah. beach, right? Like that's just like a, they're like a recreational thing. Those things only go like 30, 35 miles an hour or something like that. They, they looked, were, none of them like were in military colors and stuff. They were all like bright red and all that kind of thing. But what you mean? That's a good idea if you're doing like a, a sneak guerrilla attack. Yeah, you want to be the rainbow colored. <laughs> well, I mean, the people at the rave that they flew into probably just thought it was part of the thing. You I'm know what I mean? I I, I looked I looked at that video closer. There's a video from the rave somebody took of uh, people reporting that it was the paragliders. And like that's too would be too good of a story to be true. Like you could see the, them coming in. Like that would be too Hollywood. And it was what you they're actually looking at are the like the the trails from rocket attacks. And, and but it's like those videos are showing people at this music festival moments before they get hit by rockets and attacked by like Hamas guys in in trucks and like technicals and stuff. But that's like another thing we should explain what we're talking about. There was a music festival being held that had like 3,000 people and it was near the Gaza fence border. Ironically, it was like a peace festival for the people of Gaza or whatever where a bunch of rich Israeli lib people or maybe a lot of young people just came for music but it was the benefit of the, you know, 
the people of Gaza. And Hamas, either by design or by pure happenstance, came through in the middle of this music festival and they're saying they killed like 200 people there alone. That's like 200 of the thousand people were killed there and an unknown number of people taken hostage. If you saw videos of bloody, like that's another thing we'll have to get to. If you pieces of bloody women being shot or kidnapped, it was probably women from that festival because everybody had a cell phone. There were a lot of non-combatants in this one one place getting shot at and shelled and bombed by rockets. Yeah, that's a part of the story that I don't know if we'll have time to get into. I, uh, and it's um, partly ironic because, like, sort of, I always talk about this on online all the time. I'm um, uh, a relic from another age, and <laughs> women in the military bother me. Although, I mean, there's Bob Beef. You're the youngest one on this podcast. <laughs> Not by much, but yeah. Which, by the way, I mean, um, I mean, in more than one ways, I'm a relic. Like, uh, women were used in World War II by like everybody would have used them uh, in all kinds of different roles and stuff. And if they weren't going to use them, they would have put them in factories. And I wouldn't want, and I would bitch about women taking our factory jobs too. So, I mean, obviously, I'm I'm out there on this. (laughs) However, um. Like the great, like there's like an actual legitimate theorist guy that 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 also holds this view. This it's not just some like you know Alex Jones or something. There's this like esteemed military theorist who thinks that women should be in, in militaries like in general, blah blah blah. Um, and he's Israeli. Uh, he like the guy, the guy. If you got a conference about women being in the military, they bring out this one guy. He's Israeli. He thinks now. Uh, I mean, in my opinion. I mean, this is kind of, um, uh, I went to school with a lot of people that would have been in IDF and I'll, I'll tell you this first off. I mean, um, some of the most beautiful women I've ever seen in my entire life. Here comes a spin. Uh, I mean, I'm, this is, we had this, the speech class with it and there was a bunch of them in there. And this girl, she, her speech was on her yoga practice. And she sat up front and gave this yoga exi- exhibition that I will never forget. Not <laughs> one, my brain will never. If you wonder why I can't remember people's names, well, that space has been reserved for certain events in 4K HD. <laughs> my God. But, um, yeah, they did studies about this in in the United States, and and even academics in like the whatever seventies, whenever they were discussing this, it, they were by their by their time periods very liberal. Even a lot of them came to the, like scientifically, if you can call social science a science, which you can't. Sorry, a legitimate scholar. They came to the conclusion that it probably would be bad to have women involved in combat because it for just rather the effect that it had on the uh, men who were serving uh, alongside them. It's right. very, it's very bad for morale to see a woman getting shot up. Maybe, but here's the alternative perspective. And this is what the military does. So one thing you'll notice, um, uh, one of my favorite gun forums, not going to talk about guns has a thread. One of the most popular thread on the forum is pictures of chicks in the military. And you know what? There's a lot of them that are hot, way hotter than just like the average stuff that you see. 
Uh, you ever look at pictures of female cops? Anytime a female cop does something arsler in the news, which is not uncommon, there's like a a, a better than normal chance she's going to be good looking. Why is that? <laughs> well, I mean, in my opinion, this is why Israel does. So in the U.S. military, this is different. In the U.S. military, there's five uh, butt-toothed chicks on every Navy ship, and every sailor is fighting over them. That's not that doesn't produce this effect. So I'm not talking about that. Uh, you, you can you, they don't have to look like anything U.S. in the U.S. military because there's not very many of them, uh, and people just sort of adjust the numbers. What Israel does, in my opinion, is the reason why they make all the boys and all the girls join the military is because when they're at the age of people looking the best, uh, we reviewed that earlier in the show that uh, you looked better when you were 18 than you do now, uh, but. Uh, the reason why women look good in the military, the reason why female cops look good, uh, is because they get paid to not be fat. That's it. There's that's the reason. Uh, if if the average chick you saw working at McDonald's uh, was paid to not be fat, um, there would, you'd be like, damn, these McDonald's chicks be looking good. Well, they also have mandatory service, so even the like, the hottest woman in America is not going to join the military ever. That's not going to happen. There'd be no reason for it to. The hottest woman in, in Israel. Almost certainly will. She either do that or do their Let, social work. Here's the, here's what the point. It's a dating. This is how they get people married. They put all the boys <laughs> and all the girls into the military when they're eighteen to twenty four, and they're and they're hot and horny, and they make them work out, and they get married. That's why. That's why Israel does, it. and that's my opinion. Maybe uh, that's the <laughs> estimation. <laughs> Okay, I like that. That's, that's a nice hot take. Yeah, we should do my other hot take. But anyways, all well, right. Well, well, let's let's talk. About, there's something about this I want to talk about too, because there were a lot of videos going around. Not only these women, these there was a, a one video of Hamas. They had the corpse of one of these women from the music show, and she's half naked. Whatever she might have been half naked at the music show, and they're driving her around through the Gaza Strip and people are running out and celebrating and hitting her with sticks and excited. They're jumping around. It was kind of like, you know, in the South, when you shoot a buck, you, you put it on the back of your truck and take your picture with it, right? Like they were doing that with, with a human woman. And people got, like, obviously people felt a certain way about that. I, I made, Yeah, I made a tweet about it. And I had it's one of the few times I had to just mute the the tweet and not look at any of the replies because uh, like an in like a, a conservative influencer um, retweeted it and I got a billion angry responses to it or what seemed like a billion. But anyway, my point was uh, here. I'll just say I'll I'll say it verbatim and explain. All these HD videos of men dragging, bleeding, and crying women away from a first world country. Is going to get attention. It's different than these these ISIS videos that we saw in the past, where yeah, there were women who were taken, like Yazidi women taken as sex slaves and stuff. But that happened in the Middle East and in a place where Western people just said like, yeah, well, that's what happens there. It's not safe to live in Iraq. It's not safe to live there. This is they they live in a culture where these things happen. These Israeli women who were getting picked up and and, dra and their dead bodies dragged around, they're that was, a, like, that was a German chick. Yeah, yeah, she was Israeli. I don't think she's really Israeli slash German, but she's like a German national. She had a German passport. 
These are people, now you, I said, you know, with a sleeve tat or whatever. Like, they're people who you recognize. And I'm like, wow, that could be me. That could be my sister, whatever. That met, got people's almonds activated big time. And there were also videos of IDF's women soldiers who were captured by Hamas, and they were dragging them around bloodied. And, and you know, the, these things brought out emotions in people. And it's it was... It was interesting because in our little sphere of Twitter, there are people who, like, part of their identity and their politics and their philosophy is that, like, we need to return to a period of time where this was how everybody behaved all the time. Like, like there, there is nothing more mm, classical antiquity than you uh, going across the border and killing a bunch of, of men and taking a bunch of women hostage and carting them back to your territory. You this know, was, this, this was always the theory on why uh, there's so many beautiful women in, you know, the Swedish bikini team. There's so many beautiful women in, in the Nordic countries is that these Vikings would go around and bonking women in the head uh, with a club and dragging them back to Oslo on their Viking raids. Any way you look at it, this is how human beings conducted warfare in the past and well, I mean, in the present, too, in some places. This, this has gone on on the scale of hundreds of thousands of people. Uh, well, at least, um, well, sorry, I'll keep going. I didn't see any, I, I mean, um, maybe there were and I missed them. I didn't see any of the people who said this stuff before about how, like, we need to return and we need to do this and that and we need to revitalize ourselves by... Nobody, none of them were celebrating what was happening there. In fact, most of them were pretty angry at Hamas for doing this thing. Which I think can we can we put a nail in the coffin of like that as a serious idea? It's like it's a meme, right? No. Nobody, nobody really. Obviously, those people don't really believe that crap. I'm going to take a different path on this. Well, I'm going to say a couple <laughs> things. Okay, so first off, uh, this matters how old you are. Um, so if you're 18 to 25, um, this subject sounds different to you. Uh, there's a lot of things sound different. To you. If you're a male and you're 18 to 25, there's a lot of things that are different. So here's an example. Like, uh, the idea of dying doesn't make sense when you're 18 year old male. That's, that doesn't mean anything. Yeah. I've told you a lot of stupid things I did now. I'd be like, wow, that's really like, uh, you know, I, you know, now, once you get old, you're like, ah, damn, that's going to cost me 800 bucks if I got to go to the, uh, go to the hospital. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, I remember you know, being a teenager and we climbed up onto a 12 foot building and just jumped off of it over and over again for fun. You th you look at that now and you're like, man, I'm going to twist my ankle and it's going to hurt me for like, for like six weeks. Right. You're an 18 year old male. You would detonate a nuclear bomb in downtown <laughs> Tokyo for, uh, uh, you know, for a BJ. Okay. So <laughs> That's what I'm saying. So that's there. Uh, there is a lot of what you're talking about. There's a lot of people sort of rethinking about things. Uh, I mean, here's where I get nuanced. Number one, uh, I have joked about in the past on this show. Um, so you can go find very easily many ads, not an ad, but like um, informational signs that were put up in many GIs barracks in world war two, world war two, the greatest generation 
you know, beat the Nazis, saved the Jews, uh, did it all, you know, storm Normandy beach, uh, put the flag up at Iwo Jima. Those guys, they had posters in their barracks telling them, make sure you wear a prophylactic when you bang out some chick in France or in West Germany, which you're thinking, well, I mean, so maybe they just hooked up with some hot chick. Okay. Uh, you gotta realize, remember the GIs are in charge of like who gets water and food and stuff like that. I mean, that gets really dicey, really fast. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, there's a lot of, it's, it's, and by the way, these guys, these weren't like 35 year old accountants. These were 19 year old farm boys. They've never had anything in the, they never had a piece of nothing in the world. And then they're over there and they're in charge of the food and the water. And, uh, well, the military is like, uh, you better give these boys condoms. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot, uh, it's, Here's what I'm going to tell you. First off, this is like probably, I, I don't think this is going to be out of war. And I mean, so I don't want it to dwell on it too much, but I mean, this has always been a practically a huge part of war. Have you ever, you ever think one of these questions that comes up is like, uh, why didn't Hannibal just go take Rome? He should have just clicked the button on his, on his mouse and said, move all move army to Rome cap Rome wars over you win. Uh, you know why? Because those guys, uh, were too busy raping and stealing everything they could after they got a couple of victories around their belt. Okay. I mean, that's you, after you would have these big wins, you would have to let these guys do it. When you only the, only the generals with like the absolute most control of their army was able to like, uh, put like legitimate pause on, the stealing and raping for long periods of time. Am I wrong? Sure. This is what happens when you got guys, they're the army, they're the, the you know, the temporary rulers. And, uh, this is what's going on. Well, well the, the, that, that gets in the, con gets in the confusing territory because if you're talking about like Hannibal and you're talking about that period of time, the point of being in the army, if you're in Hannibal's army, the reason that you're there is because you're going to get to rob, steal, and, and rape when you capture a city. That's the whole point for you as a soldier. And he's not going to restri like, restrain you from doing it. The only problem for him is if you let that get in the way. Like, if you're looting the baggage train and the enemy army gets away, that's his problem for you. Otherwise, it's not. Whereas, you might not necessarily... If, you're, if it's... If it's um, 1945 and you're not in a red army but you're in like the american army you might not want you might not want your troops to do that because they're you have political considerations and diplomatic considerations but hannibal's men didn't have that that was just a nut that was too like like you said not too tough to crack in rome you know it's right. different you, you know uh Far across the blue waters lives an old German's daughter by the banks of the old river Rhine, where I loved her and left her, but I can't forget her. I miss my pretty Fraulein. Uh, I don't think Fraulein spoke English. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, that's just kind of a reality check that's going on. Here's something they don't tell you because, like, um, I mean, it gets kind of weird really fast. Uh, you know, uh, you ever play a World War II game? Uh, you know, Germany 
beats France. You know, they did the Battle of France and the Ghost Division raged across France. France is beaten in military rule. All, you know, they're beaten. Uh, here's what they don't tell you. All those French chicks started banging the Nazis. They started banging the Nazis. Every, like, it, even the high, it, it happened like crazy. Uh, Coco Chanel was banging them two at a time. They lost, it, it's, this is, I mean, it's a, it's a complicated thing. It happens in war. Part of it, because once again, the basic unit in war is the aforementioned 18 to 25 year old male who doesn't understand things like, uh, you know, they don't, they don't, they, they have a certain, it's a certain, very certain type of person. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Um, I don't know how much we can come. You want to take a pause and come back to that so we can hit a couple important stories. Uh, uh, okay, sure. Okay. Let's, let's start off. I don't know if, if you have it, but this is, I, I'm going to go find it off of your Twitter. Okay. September, 2023, Azerbaijan launched a military offensive on Nagorno-Karabakh. One day after the offensive started on the 20th of September, that's like um, two weeks ago, almost exactly, no, one, two, three, almost exactly three weeks ago. Uh, one day after the offensive started on 20th September, by the way, remember, launched a military offensive. They didn't write a poem or something like that. They, they had guys with young 18 to 25-year-old males go in with guns. Uh, an agreement on establishing a complete cessation of hostilities in Nagorno-Karabakh was reached at the mediation of the Russian Peacekeeping Command in Nagorno-Karabakh. Azerbaijan held meeting representatives of the Artsakh Armenian community on the 21st September in Yevlok to start the process of reintegrating the nation to Azerbaijan. Uh, in the aftermath of the offensive, so basically here's what uh, they went in. All the Armenians are out. Armenia is going to take them back. And all like, I don't know, I don't know how long they've been there, but there's some pretty old ass buildings there that are Armenian. But um, so Armenia is like, we're done on January 1st. This area is no longer has anything to do with Armenians. This is now uh, Azerbaijan. It's over. Correct. Okay. We already talked about a little bit. I just wanted to cover that. I mean, um, that you, you know is you know is this or that ethnic cleansing? That's ethnic cleansing. That's ethnic cleansing. They're out. They're gone. They ain't coming back. It's over. Uh, there you go. Okay, let's keep moving. Happy story night. Okay, so the, the, I can start out with a story. I know it by heart. Okay, so the story begins. Uh. There was this, you know, somewhere in Africa, uh, small politics. It doesn't really matter because it's not the president or something. It's just some <laughs> small district in Africa. I know what you're talking about now. There's a news story that comes out and said there was a politician that lost an election. And while they were the mayor or, you know, something like that, while they were in charge of this area, they donated out of their own money, uh, enough money to buy this district, a ambulance. Uh, so the ambulance was awesome. District added it to the district. And later on, they lost an election 
They went and repossessed their amulet. They took it back. <laughs> yeah, uh, Evelyn Anite, I guess is how you pronounce it. She was in Uganda. And, uh, I guess, I don't know if she's a minister, part of parliament or something smaller than that. Probably something smaller than that. She donated an ambulance. They have a picture of the ambulance. And in the picture of the ambulance is, is wonderful because it says ambulance on it. I'll throw, I'll throw the picture up here for, for people to see, but... I'll describe it for the listeners too. It says ambulance, like you know, an ambulance is supposed to. But uh, it, it, below it, it has her name in giant block letters and a picture of her smiling face on the side of the ambulance. It's like, by the way, it was the Honorable Evelyn Anite, MP for Nakanisi, that it hauled your sorry ass to the hospital. And don't you forget it. And they did forget it, and they voted her out, and she took it back. But the, the best part was that I guess her either her or her uh, social media person said that when they complained about it, she said, "My de- like someone said this is fake news. She would never do something like that. She's a good person. Here's what she said, and I quote, My dear, I actually did it, and I am very proud of my action. Once they said go away, I packed all my belongings and left them. Now I hear people crying as if I were the first one to call it quits. The Bible says the wages sin is death. It's it's perfect. By the Based. way, uh, putting your name and face all over the thing you did for the people elected you, that yeah. is a huge part of patronage. You should always do that. You don't just assume people heard you. There's a lot of S in the news. People don't catch everything they hear. You have to scream at the top of your lungs, I did this for you. I did this for you. Now, uh, the public votes her out. So what she do? And then um, she responded. They said, well, why did you do that? She said, well, here's the deal. Uh, I'm, a nice, I'm a nice person, but voters have to be nice to me back. That's the deal. Perfect, perfect response. You, I mean, uh, I don't know if she'll win the next election or whatever, but, you know, you can, you can lose election and not, uh, you know, for bullshit reasons or whatever. But, I mean, this is someone that understands politics. Yes, like Olive Oil here said, Donald Trump signed his name on those checks he sent out to us. Exactly. Uh, you do, and they don't do back. You take it back. You go away. Uh, that's perfect. Um, yeah. it's uh, That was a really great story, really classic, perfect. Um, I mean, you know, a part of it, we live in the West where, you know, we have built up all this years and years of bullshit and journalists. So it's hard to get straight answers out of people. You have politicians that don't really have a duty, uh, to it's gotten to the point where people can get elected and not do anything for you. This is why, you know, people were like this Donald Trump is gonna, you know, he's going to become Caesar or emperor or something. Why was there's this huge, crazy outpour? Because there's people that never had a politician do S for them, never do nothing for them. And you just awake something in them when you do. It's it don't it don't have to be a lot. I want to go back to the main issue at hand right now because here's the only part of the Israel Israeli Palestinian fight that that really I care about, and that is how is this going to affect me as an American? And I'm not joking when I say that. This is how you should view. I think how you should view politics. It's it, and it's it's weird if you don't like. Uh, you don't need to know about what's happening in Armenia if you're not Armenian. Your grandma's not there. You don't really need to know. You wouldn't need to know what was going on in Israel and Palestine if it was not 
unfortunately a huge political issue in our country and always has been. Yeah. You agree? Yeah. Yeah. Here's the thing. Ukraine is out. <laughs> Israel is in. Uh, Zelensky's yesterday's news. All the like they're going to want to send all the money to Israel. They're focusing all the attention on Israel. The Republicans are using this as a way to attack Joe Biden for screwing up and not, you know, whatever for giving Iran money and and this and that. And uh, as we mentioned before, this is an outlet for American politicians to do a little bit of nationalism as a treat. But of course, it's not American nationalism; it's Israeli nationalism. You know, you and I on this podcast a lot, we, we talk up evangelical Christians because that's what we, that's our upbringing. But this is one where we got to take a huge L because part of why regular people, like, oh, let me, let me, let me, um, let me step back. I, normally people that I talk to every day were not super invested in the, the Ukraine and Russia. There were people when it first started like, oh, that's terrible what's happening over there, but it wasn't a thing that they cared about. Oh, they're invested in this. Everybody here is talking about Israel and Palestine. Like they're getting, they're getting their blood up. They're acting like these people attacked Miami or something. And I know why this is. Like I specifically saw it happen this Sunday here. It's because a lot of these evangelical ministers go into the pulpit and simp for the state of Israel hard, really hard, in a way that they would never do for any other country. And to me, this is and you. This is a this is a, a unmistakable L, a mistake, a, a big flaw in our religious denomination. Yeah, yeah, it's a big. Th- there's a there's a theological tie there, right, Merrick? Too yes. like some there's of them more, tie this to like end of days stuff. There's two things going on. So there's one. There's some Bible verse that says, uh, "If you bless Israel, you'll be blessed." Yeah. And there's the other thing, which is basically, um, if you want to start the end of the world, you You need the temple. They have to rebuild the temple. Well, I mean, uh, do we, they have to, you have to, you got to get the red, you need a red calf, red heifer, Mm -hmm. and then you got to rebuild the temple, which I mean, well, Emperor Julian tried to rebuild the temple and it was struck by lightning. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it wasn't time yet. Emperor Julian was famously uh, like uh, an apostate. He was he, he was a pagan after the, uh, the the Roman Empire had been Christianized, or at least the leadership had been Christianized for like a generation. And he was like the um, the the pagan cell edge lord. And he tried to he paid to have the temple rebuilt just to like stick it to his his Christian relatives and he got struck by lightning. He actually see what's funny about that though is he wasn't a pagan cell edgelord. He was a trad actually like in their society. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like he was just, like his whole thing was he was trying the the religious aspect was we shouldn't go too far down this rabbit hole but it was like just one aspect of trying to restore traditional Roman institutions. You know what I mean? It would yeah. be like it, it, what he was doing was actually the equivalent if a if a politician came in today and as part of like their symbolism in trying to restore American institutions made everything close on Sundays, right? Like old school <laughs> blue law stuff. That's what he was doing. Right. Yeah, fair enough. So, I mean, there's 
there's a lot of different ways. So, I mean, well, I don't ever see these people want to attach like riders to money. Like, Hey, we won't give you this money unless you would start building the temple, which there's a problem with that. Uh, where the, where the temple has to be rebuilt is right now, this other thing called the dome of the rock. Yeah. Because that, you know, have we ever talked about this and, and just, that was a thing that just these two would be nice about seeing these two sects of people. Like it would capture the Hagia Sophia and just like, put a coat of paint on it and say it's something new. Well, now like every single holy site, everybody claims. Yeah. So like, uh, the, where the temple goes is a would be the most, uh, if it got rebuilt, it'd be the most, I mean, important thing. Well, I mean, so that's, you know, the wailing wall is there. That's the most important place in the Jewish religion. I think, um, of course it is. Uh, the Muslims say the Dome of Rock is the most important thing. I don't know if it's more important than um, what's the 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 big meteor thing. <laughs> uh, I, I, I don't. Will they go do the Hajj? I don't know what that thing is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. And then the Christians are well. You know, that's where that if the temple gets rebuilt, Jesus comes back. End of days. Blah blah blah. So I don't know. Um, well, I don't. Well, well, I mean, here's the deal. The end result of this is that you have people who are like MAGA, um, like rednecks, like I, I know, who are just ride or die for for the state of the modern state of Israel. Which I, I don't, I don't think that's a good outcome for anybody because I don't, I'm not, I'm guessing that's not what the, what they meant in the book for one thing. But another thing. It leads us to doing things that we shouldn't do, and well, these I are mean, people who naturally should be against this. The way they are not really—they're against giving money to the Ukraine now. They're but they're for giving it to Israel, and we're going to go through this whole these whole shenanigans all over again. It's very tiresome. Yeah. Well, what? Well, well, I mean, honestly, does it matter? I mean, do you think the United States? Like, how long? Like, show me a timeline where the USA doesn't back Israel. Yeah, and, and, and you're right, and it doesn't matter. And the, like, there's been many times that we like the public opinion has been isolationist, and it just never, it never matters at all. It doesn't matter what we, it what matter what regular people think at all. They're going to do what they're going to do. They were against world people. Public was against getting in World War One. They were against getting in World War Two. They were against Vietnam at first. They, you know, they'll always just do what they're going to do. Yeah, well, I mean, all right, I, you're right, but also. Since Vietnam, that system has been breaking down. Their ability to yeah. do that has been reduced. For the first big example being Vietnam, right? Like we pulled out in large part because the public had just like had enough of it. Uh, and then, you know, we saw public opinion eventually turn against Afghanistan. Uh, we saw it turn against the Iraq War. Like, you know, what that didn't happen after World War II, right? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, that, this is a newer thing that is like, I don't know if this is like a white pill or if I'm being overly optimistic or whatever, but more and more over time, we've actually seen the sort of elite ability to do that is less and less effective. It seems each go around starting with Vietnam. Well, here, here, I mean, there's a certain gentleman uh, that we have on our show all the time. That's been saying, been saying that, and it'll be more of the case. It's hard to look at the world and say that the United States has the same hand, 
uh, handle on the reins is that it's had for uh, since. I mean, I, w- I would probably put the point. We were talking about this earlier, the last couple episodes, about when would you put the date of m- the most United States power? I thought of a new good one. Here's one. Uh, all the days where we had the bomb and nobody else had it. That's a pretty good one. Yeah, nineteen. Yeah, nineteen forty-six might be a, one of the higher points. Yeah. When did someone else get a bomb? The Russians got it. The Russians got it in I think 40, 49 or something like that. Damn. I mean, they they I got know. it from us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I don't even think that was the height of the power. The height of the power was us rebuilding Europe and Japan and our own image, right? So, yeah. like, I think that the the Marshall Plan stuff. Yeah, the fifties was really the I think the height of US power. Yeah. By the way, um I was uh I was reading stuff about this. I was wrong so one of the things I th- I always thought that Germany had no chance for a bomb because um where were they gonna get all that plutonium? I was corrected on Twitter. Apparently they had plenty of it. Their problem yeah, their problem was that they were trying to use heavy water instead of using graphite. That was if if you if you if you go by the I don't know whatever the scholarship on like basically they were doing it the wrong way, right? Germans are smart, but they weren't. Um, they took the wrong way on that. Okay, um, but, but but you know Pablo. Oh yeah, sorry. We have to go back. We have to go back to uh, to Joshua's. I, I just want to throw this out here because it was a big story with the Oppenheimer movie and stuff like. It wasn't the genius like that we were like America had like special geniuses because we did it, but we did have a lot of geniuses and a lot of people came here who were geniuses. How dare you! But what it was is that we turned, we we created a a huge factory and it had a budget that was unheard of. It was like billions of dollars, a billion dollars at the time when like a billion dollars meant something. And we you, we focused all that on this one project. Nobody else in the world could do that. They didn't have the capacity to do that. They didn't have the industry or the resources. That's how we got the bomb before everybody else. That's the real the real, like real answer. If, if even if Germany had been doing the bomb research correctly, they probably didn't have the means to the centrifuges. They didn't have a means to make the bomb, and they didn't have the means to make enough of the bombs to do what we did, which was saying holding the world hostage would be uh, going a bit too far. But <laughs> holding holding Europe hostage, saying there's a Red Army, you don't come any further than this, or we're gonna we're gonna incinerate all of your cities. Nobody else could have done that. Even the USSR couldn't really do that. They pretended to do it in the 50s, but they didn't even have the means then. It was the, our ability to to make these things that did that, and that ability is gone now. People sometimes complain about Malcolm's doomer takes. Like, if you take one thing away from Malcolm when you hear him on here, it should be that the industrial capacity, capability, whatever you want to call it, of the United States is what made it the United States. And once once that disappeared, it's not the same country anymore. And we're just now kind of dealing with the distance between that reputation and the reality of today. And people can argue whether it's really far or, or it's really short, if we're still super powerful or if we're just a paper tiger. Nobody really knows. That's the that's the true answer. Anyway, yeah. continue. Yeah, that's the thing that, uh, you know, Tinkzer isn't talking about that with an inspective, like, well, is America going to back Israel or are we going to back Ukraine? Well, with what? And they're like, well, what is it? we have infinite money. Well, they don't need money. They need 
artillery shells and bombs and shit. And we, you can't print those. Well, we, the, we the, don't have a political situation that allows us to create them at a high rate. If there's one good, good news for the GAE, it's that the Ukraine and Israel need two different things. The Ukraine needs a buttload of artillery shells and tanks. The Israelis need bombs. They need, they need guided munitions. And that'll make it, that'll push back the date to the point where we're out of, we're out of ammo later than it would have been otherwise. Like they don't need the exact same thing. If they needed the exact same thing, this would probably become a problem tomorrow because uh, I've heard that supposedly in Hamas themselves said this, they said that Israel sent like a huge portion of their military equipment and their shells and ammunition to the Ukraine at the behest of the United States government. And that's why Hamas knows that they can that they can wait them out. I don't I mean who knows if that's true or not, but it would be pretty funny if it if it was. Yeah, uh, they'll have to put pictures of Zelensky up in the mosque. Uh, <laughs> uh, Joshua Ham, though, this is this is actually important. Josh says, by the way, went out and door knock for mayoral camp today. Afterwards, we talked about potential administration jobs after election. It feels so weird to ask for patronage, but it's necessary. Yes, yet squeaky wheel gets the grease. This is more him. He may not know I'm willing to be his hatchet man if I don't tell him. If he finds a place, I'll be as strong as soldier and find more people because personnel is policy. Yes, 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 a thousand times yes. You That's perfect. Uh, you have to be very direct about this stuff. Um, Cause we just live in a crazy world people just, they just do stuff. Um, you have to be, uh, very direct, very clear communication. Hey, I will do this for you. You got to do something for me. That's, that's perfectly awesome. That's how things work. Um, uh, good luck. Good luck. Um, Yes. Uh, manufacturing issues, big and surprise. Peter Zehan isn't more alarmist about the end again. He's kind of regime shield. Uh, yeah. I mean, um, isn't he explicitly paid to do that, to be a regime? Like, isn't that his job? I don't know. I mean, so he would definitely like, um, you know, there's people now like, uh, nobody listens to, like David Brooks or something like that. You know what I mean? <laughs> David Brooks writes about all this kind of crap, but, but he's sort of like, he's gone. He's, um, he sort of graduated. They sort of spill their beans and no one cares about them. They, they have to cycle you out. They always do this. They got to bring in the new guys. Um, Zehan, I mean, uh, he definitely would have no credibility if he only said things that run true. So he has some room right. to play around. Um, he plays around a little bit. I don't really know what his deal is. I know that he was... Um, he certainly doesn't have a crystal ball. I mean, he was very, the last time I checked in on him was during the whole, um, uh, uh right before, uh, this was, I checked in on him like, uh, right when the, uh, the, the coup was going to happen. The guy, uh, the bald guy was going to, the, the, Erwin? no, no, Perzinski or, Oh, yeah, 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 the Wagner guy, yeah. The Wagner guy was going to start a coup and take over Russia, and that was game over. 
And he got very excited about that. And then like four hours later, he posted a thing where he said, yeah, maybe I got a little excited about that. <laughs> uh, the other thing is they just keep saying, well, China doesn't really have legs. China's going to fall apart. China has all these problems. Okay. I mean, I keep, I keep hearing this shit, but it's like, well, their factories are the factories going to go away. I mean, there are, there's, there's a timeline where that could happen, but they have to be built somewhere else and stuff. Right. Right. I mean, that's one of those things where you take something that's true, but you put a spin on it to, to, to take it further than it's meant to go. Like the the thing, you know, I, I get into this with Malcolm and you to a lesser extent. I'm also one of those those China skeptical people, but not that I'm saying that they're not going to become a, a mega superpower or that they won't have a bigger, uh, you know, GDP or a bigger army or be able to have massive influence. I just don't think they're going to like conquer. I don't think they're going to conquer the world. I don't think they're going to do that. That's where that's where it's going to break down. They're going to run into the same problems that we have. And I don't know. They have some underlying issues that pretty much historically it stops them from doing, from becoming a world power, but it also stops them from losing what makes them China. Like the way that we lost what made us America in the past, like that—that—that's. I think that's a reasonable position. The thing where, like, where they're going to collapse tomorrow, a lot of that's wishful thinking, and and partially because we fed them. It's a, it's you know, it's a, we got bit mauled by the pit bull that we fed. We didn't have to do that. We didn't have to send our manufacturing over there. That was a conscious decision made by people under false pretenses. Well, maybe they thought they, maybe they thought they bought into the hype. Maybe they were on the MMT train. I thought it didn't matter, but they, they made a conscious decision to do that. Okay. Do you think, um, who's the guy that wrote 5 billion Americans? Matt Iglesias. Do you think Matt Iglesias wants those jobs here or over there? Yeah. He wants them over there. He wants them over there. Um, so, I mean, there are, there's a lot of people like that. And by the way, I mean, pretty soon, like there will come a point. I mean, so, well, maybe it won't happen by the way, we have to throw out these, uh, well, there's a lot of these sort of liberal, liberal opinions where we thought the world worked a certain way. Well, we thought that once a country got a bunch of money going and stuff that, um, uh, the people would rise up for middle-class life and all this kind of stuff, which by the way, I mean, if that happened over there, well, then they would just Fredo reliably informed me they would uh, they would just move the factories to like Vietnam and all these other places, right? Yeah. That, I mean, that already is happening there, and they already are doing that. <laughs> like that's already mm-hmm. in swing. Like, uh, I mean, that's been at least for five years now. The situation has been like basically the Chinese people are demanding higher wages. The government is like authoritarian, but there's only so much they can really do about that. Right. Like they crack down. Striking is illegal there because like the (laughs) the government runs the union. So effectively like all strikes are wildcat strikes. So the government cracks down on those, but that doesn't mean they're not effective. Right. But as a result, yeah, for a while now stuff has been moving to even lower cost countries than China. China is too expensive. Not everything has to be a strike. I mean, you know, we talked about before. Uh, we uh, we heard this story a lot for a long time. That um, so if you've worked in offices at any point, you've probably worked somewhere that ran on an IBM mainframe, 
It's this type of computer that isn't used very often, but they are used. Toyota, from my understanding, all their stuff still runs on IBM mainframe. They're really, really good at a certain kind of computing. However, the only people that can sort of maintain them are these boomer guys from back when um, they were popular. And, you know, we were told that all these guys would be replaced by like Indians and uh, kids would go to night school and figure out how to do this. Well, they didn't. Uh, I know of two of them. Both of them don't want to work anymore, but people keep throwing so much money at them to keep working. <laughs> Uh, yeah. they, they don't even really need any more money. When these guys, I always, I've told the story before, uh, I worked at a place that was hiring one. They could only get one to come to a, uh, interview and he wouldn't come to an interview. He did the interview on his webcam and he had just woke up. It was like, you know, 10 30. He didn't have a shirt on and he was sitting there eating McDonald's, uh, big breakfast <laughs> the entire time. <laughs> I didn't. I've heard this story so many times. I didn't hear the big breakfast part. I didn't. Yeah, that. I didn't really emphasize it. it. Is that he was sloppy? He didn't give a f. And like, um, that was that was how he appeared for the interview. <laughs> I'm like, is that a strike? It's not a strike, but he's telling you something. If you eat a McDonald's big breakfast, either a you're hungover, <laughs> b you don't care anymore, or c you're down bad for whatever reason. Like well, that's. I don't know, dude. If you don't get the hotcakes, that's the most healthy thing on. That's probably the healthiest thing you can eat at McDonald's, isn't it? I, I, I that's not my point. <laughs> that ain't gonna, even the, that ain't still, even the point. You're still gonna have a bad time on the commode. Mm, yeah. <laughs> okay. Speaking of which, um, here's some hot news. So you know, I love these Dagoth Irv channels, right, Nervar? <laughs> yes, and the intoxicating innocence of it all. Yes. There's this. There's this, um, I, we need to, I was thought about doing some kind of, um, uh, intro for the show with one of these, cause, uh, apparently, uh, there's two things that happen. So number one, Dagoth or like, and you don't have to play the video game at all. Uh, I mean, he, he's like at the end of like one of the hardest and most bizarre video games of all time. And, um, for, like, he's just the most interesting character in the world. So, uh, first off, like. He's like an extremely honorable guy, but he, and he's a huge racist, but like <laughs> in the most classic sense, like, um, like he, like he, he, he will say, so first off, he's for his own race, which is the, the, the Dunmar, like all the way, right? So, I mean, he will tell you all, like, um, he doesn't care. I mean, they're the best, they're the best. And however, he'll be like, Oh, the Nord, which is based like a Scandinavian, he likes them to be like they are, the best they are. Like he said, like, oh, this guy is a strong, honest warrior. Uh, I like, I like that in a Nord. You yeah, and if you're a cat person, you should be, you should be shoplifting and getting high on skooma. That's just you need to do. You need to be the best cat person that you can be. Well, he calls them farm tools. You're shitting me. No, they're just farm equipment. That's all they are. <laughs> So, yeah, whoever wrote that had to know what they were doing. Right. So he's like this giant racist, <laughs> uh, he, but he's like super honorable. He's super honorable. Right. So, um, you know, like, uh, 
you know, he sort of, there are other bad guys in the game. He finds them distasteful because they're just like, um, you know, they just want to steal things and stuff like that. He yeah. wants to kick the empire out of the dark elf land. That's his game plan. Uh, but anyway, so this is like, so he's just so awesome. Uh, we saw this a little bit. I don't, I've heard they've introduced this character recently in the, the star Wars TV shows or whatever, but we, there was some of this in the, the blue guy in the star Wars novels. Um, I don't so, know if you, he was Thrawn, right? Thrawn. Thrawn. I, Thrawn play, I played the video. He was in, he was in uh tie fighter. Remember? Right. And you're like, whoa, this guy's, he's the enemy, but he's honorable. This is kind of cool. And this doesn't really diminish my mission. I don't have to have the bad guy in the game to just be like a, like a powerful or, you know, uh trash eating junkie or somebody that's like, well, I like bad things. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. He's so, but here's the thing. So it's so good. It's so interesting. And, um, because of that now there is this huge competition because there's two things number one uh his voice is amazing i thought it had to be a black guy i thought there was some black guy walking around <laughs> sound like dagoth or but there's it's apparently a white guy that did this voice i i don't get how you thought that it didn't sound that it say it didn't sound like a a brother well, voice to me white guys usually i mean you know when you hear like you know barry white or something it's got yeah. a different timber. It's not the same. All right. So anyways, like the guy from all the Allstate commercials, the guy yeah. that was in, in uh, uh, Major League. Right. Yeah. You got to smoke a lot of cigarettes. You're white guy to get the really deep voice. <laughs> I, I just want to say several minutes ago, you guys started saying words that were not recognizable <laughs> English to me. Yeah. I'm sorry. Sorry, Fredo. This is gamer talk. So there's this I, I figured, yeah. So there's this fictional character that's caught on, and... Uh, he's so popular. Now I'm spoiled for choice. When you go on to YouTube, there's two things. So first off, AI does his voice really well. Second off, AI writes for him really well. And it's just a so peculiar POV. Once again, like an honorable racist and uh, <laughs> stuff like that. Um, and so uh, AI writes in that voice really well. So there is like I just saw a new one pop up. It's called Dagoth Slur instead of Dagother because he's a big racist. Um, and they do the same thing. All the, there's a bunch of competing guys that just they got an AI program going on and they have the AI write Dagother content and they post Dagoth, then they, they run it through the voice sampler and they just post that online. They got a Patreon going and like it's a business model that's like a it's like it's popping up like the um the e-cig places popping up everywhere now there's all these day or twitter channels i mean youtube channels well what, what i think the, the trick to this is like yeah you can make an ai do do certain certain voices they're better than other, easier to mimic than others but the the dialogue is the important part and he is easier for robots to do because he speaks in like an I won't say Shakespearean way, but in the way that like you would, um, uh, like in, someone would talk from like an like a like an oral tale, like a, a Homeric tale, right? The way he mm -hmm. talks, it's not it's not casual. And like the other popular AI videos are garbage, which are like here's Donald Trump and Barack Obama and Joe Biden playing Call of Duty, and it it doesn't work because 
they're trying to they're trying to make them say like say casual slang stuff, and because culture moves so fast and is so de- like degenerated now, that you just can't the AI can't do that. It can't it can't copy whatever uh, our slur slang words going to pop up from uh, from the community tomorrow you know they they can't they can't figure they don't it doesn't know what it means to be mid they can't do that but they can mimic this really well written character from from the past he's like hey you could probably you know put stuff through like the, the chat gpt to like make someone talk like um gilgamesh right you can probably make it do that and it would sound okay but you couldn't make them talk like jay-z it just wouldn't work right which by the way i mean so it's it's british the guy who did the voice is british however i'm telling people listen to the act like ai put some southern in it listen to how he says the word dunmer he doesn't (laughs) he does he he's he's, he says it in a southern accent it's funny that the ai is reading southern in there a little bit anyways it's just it's very funny that's just popping up as like a uh as a rogue industry or whatever uh, they got their stuff. It's really good. Um, anyways, it's all it's all AI generated. Uh, the only and the only distant right guy who I mean I, I don't know if, if I I never thought of his voice that way. I have seen people uh, and people will do this. They will put like um you know famous works of art that people have to read for school and stuff like that. Um, or you know people there's just you know like Machiavelli the Prince or whatever. Uh, people put that up in like all these various people's voices and stuff. Uh, there's a little bit of that people do that with Sargon of Akkad. I think part really? of that, he's got the British accent. It's always like a little, he's got the, not the, he doesn't sound like, um, uh, you know, a guy, uh, a guy that lives in a council house, you know, not that British accent. The other, the other British accent. Yeah. That's, that's what I'm just saying. That's a feather in your cap of people like, uh, uh, obviously, I mean, you know, none of us got that kind of voice. It's uh, British people. It helps. It helps. Yeah. They sound good. Uh, that received pronunciation just sounds good no matter what. Yeah. In the past, we had that with the people who did the mid, the fake mid Atlantic accent, but I don't think we have that anymore other than, I don't know, maybe a certain like Northern California accent is pleasing to the ears. That's going to be what a lot of people emulate. Yeah, I think part of it was um, people got stupid, uh, and b- there was that. I saw a normal lib channel the other day. This stupid channel. There's this dumb channel on YouTube, and I just ran into it because there's this hot redhead chick on there. So I ended up clicking, and um, she reviews <laughs> she reviews armor and games, and she's like, "Well, this chick's wearing body a bikini body armor. That wouldn't be good, but." a uh, body armor that, that women would really wear in the middle ages who cares uh, who cares why let, That's not the let me point. give you let me break you in on a secret baby women didn't wear armor in the middle ages they didn't wear armor in the middle <laughs> ages they didn't have jobs uh in the military in the middle ages uh so you're the idiot anyways um you do you see you did, you saw they made a new counter-strike game counter-strike 2 and no people don't like it but you know one of the things they added was female operators in the game did you see that mm-hmm. yeah like this is the fan the fantasy for but for who i don't understand well, they have female operators but they do they operate different right but i'm yeah they go, I'm, they go give uh, who's the president of, of hungary 
Victor Orban. They they try to give Victor Orban a hand job and find out you know what he's doing. You know what I'm saying? That's how people right, operate. but that's not what you, you're not you're not giving out a handy to like uh, the the GIGN in Counter Strike Two. It's a big it's a big butch woman with a ponytail who's like uh, snap snap AWPing somebody in the face. That doesn't exist, and nobody like I don't think there's anybody who really wants that to be a thing. It's just something that like people well, like her get paid. To, to add to shit that nobody cares about. Yeah. Well, two thoughts on that. Number one, um, I saw some bad news about it that that's good news for me as an old man uh, who like had like a momentary like fantasy, like, oh, I'll go play Counter-Strike again. Uh, that's not going to happen. But however, I saw <laughs> um, the, only, the only thing I saw about as I saw some of the pros, uh, I saw this big, long post by a pro and he said, well, you know, this this would be a great game. However, the problem with this in CSGO is that um, there's too many cheaters and we're waiting on Valve to do something. <laughs> Let me tell you, buddy, uh, you will be in the nursing home before Valve does anything about that. That, that game, CSGO came out in what, 2012, something like that? <laughs> it's still still waiting. Yeah, it's not going to happen. The game's going to be full of cheaters forever. It's it's because, there's, it, because it's so good and so exciting and... It all goes on like the edge of the, yeah, it's not going to happen. But however, uh, point two is you're bringing back to, I'll tell you who's been the biggest winner out of this. You know, who wins? Uh, the best tweets all week um, about Israel Palestine have been from Shoe on Head. <laughs> oh, really? Who's been like at, like, she's been sort of narrating the conflict, like you were talking, like, you know, the noggins are getting jogging. Mm hmm. Of like she was just sort of have been narrating what this conflict looks like from the eyes of like uh, a hot chick that lives in a comfortable Western country, like it's just sort of the ideas that go through your head. Yeah, like well, a lot of people ask them why. You know, yeah, I, I saw some of her her posts about that, and you know when I when I when I said my thing, I got people asking me like, well, you know, Americans were killed and there were American hostages. I guess you don't want to do anything about that. And, you know, hey, if you want to lob some cruise missiles at Hamas headquarters like Trump did, or you want to send in like uh, Delta Force guys to go rescue those hostages, that's fine with me. That's what they're supposed to do. That That's all, that's all cool, whatever. But, Let's be honest. Nobody does that normally. You can't. I'm not. I'm not falling for this horse shit where you know somebody's gonna. Uh, here's an example: a guy running for president, Ron DeSantis, is gonna get on TV and talk about how we gotta do this and do that. No, because you like you. Nobody cares half as much about our fucking border as they care about what's going on, you know, at the Gaza border. Right. Well, you you better be you better be wanting to do. Like actually do your damn job for America before we worry about that crap. And you don't want to do that. They don't care. They don't care at all. So don't give me that horse shit. I hate this. Just try to do selective enforcement of. Oh, well, I guess you're just you just must be some kind of pacifist or some kind of coward if you don't want to do that. No, nah, that bullshit's not going to work. That ship sailed a long time ago. Uh, quick thing. So number one, um. Okay, there's this like great sort of mental health heuristic they use for people that are in really bad situations. It's like if you go <laughs> to the mental health hospital and you say like, um, 
I'm hooked on crack or uh, I want to kill myself. I have night terrors or my wife just left me because I'm crazy. Uh, like the the main thing they refer you to is, okay, so the, the, here's your new game plan on life. You get a lot of different things, but one thing you get is that, okay, so from going here forward to try to get yourself back into uh, a good place, the first thing you need to do is anything that you don't have control of, you don't worry about if, if it's not within yeah. your power to do something, you need to just don't worry about that. That's not your worry. There's a reason for that because you go crazy. You know, they're talking about people going crazy. What makes you crazy? And what makes you crazier is if you get concerned about things that you don't have any, any input on. Now, if you are in the IDF or you're, um, you know, Yitzhak Rabin or something, uh, I would put the Israel-Palestine conflict at the top of your list. I'd be very concerned about it. Yeah. However, you know, if you just kind of like somebody that, you know, smokes $60 a weed a week and, you know, you watch cartoons, um, you know, you can let, you can just let this one pass. Before we go, one thing that's been coming up about this and maybe you too being in Florida and I don't know, maybe in different circles than me have an opinion about this. One thing that keeps cropping up is that universities and just general, like progressive politics, they support Palestine for friend enemy reasons. Mm-hmm. They, they, and, and this has been popping up. They, they, you know, people marched with Palestinian flags after the Hamas attacked. And there are all these breathless outraged comments about it. Some of them from Republicans, which you understand, but some of them are from progressive people who are, you know, members of the Jewish religion who are outraged about this and like, oh, so I guess you want to just rape and murder us too, uh, blah, blah, blah. Uh, you know, there's two ways you can take that. And one is that this is all friend enemy politics. It doesn't, it doesn't really matter. They're not thinking about any principles. They've been told that Palestine is good and Israel's bad. And that's what they're going to go with. And that's true. But the other is, I, I, there was a, a really thing that people have really been hanging on is this DSA statement about how, you know, colonizers and, and are, you know, struggles against colonizers are always valid. And it, it, like the, the more centrist libs discovering that, well, wow, if we took this to the logical conclusion, that would mean you would think it's okay for, for people to rape and murder me if, if I'm standing in your way. It's like, yeah, yeah, bro. I'm glad I'm glad you got up to speed. Like the rest of the country figured that out three years ago. I guess that plays into this somewhat, but I don't I don't think so. I think that this is this will, after the initial ex- explosion of outrage, this is all going to blow over, and they'll forget about this. And once the election rolls around, they're all going to be friends again. Does anybody disagree with that? No, but I mean, that's okay. So Israel Palestine stuff is always like one of the craziest times. If you're like a real nationalist, uh, because, uh, first off you get this weird feeling. Cause you're like, wait a minute. All you guys that looked at me, like, um, uh, you know, got three heads for, you know, uh, my whole life, you know, exactly how I feel. You, you, what, 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 like, what, uh, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is, this is, this is crazy. You're not so different than me after all. You understand nationalism very, very well. So there's that. Um, there's, there's a lot of, there's also that stuff. Like, uh, you know, a lot of people, 
there's a lot of people, I guess, haven't really kept up with uh, the crime beat that happens in the United States. What happens mm -hmm. uh, following uh, someone being beaten and murdered and all these kinds of things. Well, yeah. I mean, they, you know, these, what these people are telling you in Palestine threads, you know, they could have told you six months if you'd worded it a certain way about, you know, crime and stuff. Uh, it's just, I don't know. It's very, it's very, it's, uh, when Israel Palestine pops off, you get like endless amounts of bullshit, but you also get endless amounts of like, uh, reality check time, which I love a lot of reality checks going on. Yeah. There are people who think that they get a G pass for the violence and, and, you know, just general, I don't know how you would want to phrase it that, People say like resentment politics. I don't like that because like resentment's not bad in and of itself. Like it, it, it's it's proper. To, like if someone's screwing you over, it's it's uh, in a way they shouldn't be. It's not wrong to resent them. But there are a lot of people who think that they get a G pass for this because they're on the same team, but they don't. Well, I think the issue with resentment in politics is when it warps your mind. It makes yeah. you think things that aren't true are true and stuff like that. It can just mislead you straight up. Well, I mean, basing a, a large portion of your behavior and your, and your thought on resentment is bad for you in, in essence, like, uh, you, you should like pretty much, uh, well, like our religion specifically tells you not to do that. And like most of the ones that we admire, like even stoicism, whatever you're, you're, guiding people away from from those feelings because it's not good for you as a person in in general so like obviously if you build like a political coalition around this and you make it something that you take and inculcate into people for for you know 12 years in school and then four more years in college and like you make them talk about it on social media all the time that's gonna you're gonna make like fucked up people that, that's that's true you shouldn't do that that's always gonna be a bad outcome yeah you you do have a right to hate people though. I mean, resent people and stuff. Um, uh, I would just say last thing. Uh, in in terms of reality checks, what about all you fudge packers like uh Rod Dreher, uh, who were ready to throw people's lives away, um, for posting spicy content? Uh, I'm curious what you have to say about Israel and Palestine because suddenly you understand uh, serious concepts because like, all these guys are like, well, uh, and that, that other, that other POS, um, that, that, the guy that, that went after worthy house, um, you know, he's talking, you know, he just started talking about, well, you know, you shouldn't say this or that in politics. Cause um, you know, that's not a Christian thing that you would say, blah, blah, blah. Well, you're not talking about your mother. You're talking about politics and politics ultimately comes down to, uh, being raped and murdered, uh, war, death, and uh, here is a great reality check for all you guys. That this is this is actually like the end game of politics. It is actually a serious business when you start talking about. Well, we'll just move in thirty million people that uh, you know uh, into this into this place or that place. Well, I mean, uh, how do you guys feel about? Um, uh, you feel a certain way about Palestine. Did you feel that certain way about this many Palestinians uh, moving to Michigan? They, they got a they got a House representative. I and wish they, I and wish you guys wanted to crucify anybody that's against immigration. F you. The thing is, they actually care about Israel. 
They care about the survival of Israel. Israel to them is more than just a, a place. It's not just more than just a, a like this Oren McIntyre say like a place where you keep your stuff, where you park your money and and you know your BMW. It means something to them, and that's the difference. And you know, I would probably I would feel very strong if if this was a um happening in West Virginia, I feel really strongly about it. You would see me posting day and night about this, and we need to do something. We need to get people involved. We need to get the United Nations involved. We need to have this and that, and intervention. But it's not. It's happening to people who are very far away from me and have you know, not, very little or nothing to do with my life. Yeah, and, so, and by the way, heard all this s before. Heard all like uh, yeah. here, here's one. I always like to bring this up on Twitter. You know, uh, I think a lot of people like Jews, but not everybody does. A lot of people feel weird about them or whatever. Well, here's one. I mean, every I think everybody I know likes Greeks. <laughs> yeah, sure. Especially they you ever, they got that bake sale with that damn baklava. That stuff <laughs> is like crack. It is like crack. It is the best damn. I mean, I'll tell you right now. I'm, I probably have to say that the key lime pie is the best, but um, uh, baklava, it's it's damn up there. Um, there are, there is a huge. There are there are Greeks right now that remember they have pictures of the home they grew up in and they were ethnically cleansed out of there. Yeah. They're gone. I mean, that that happened, it didn't happen 2,000 years, it happened in their lifetimes. And, yeah. nobody, and nobody cared. None of these people cared. Uh, so, I mean, this is... Yeah. I don't know, man. It, it, it's, it's, it's not... It, it, it's good for people to get re-in-touch with this stuff. It's good for you to start thinking about this stuff quite again, because uh, let me tell you, it's history didn't end. It happens. It happens all the time. It happens all the time. Uh, welcome to the party. <laughs> Pull up a chair. Uh, by the way, any any of these D, DSA or, or, or uh, BLM uh, libtards giving ass about all those people uh, that, that got ethnically cleansed out of out of uh, not only uh, not only the mainland, but also when did Cyprus happen? Like in the freaking eighties, seventies, sixties, something like that. Yeah. I mean, it was. Yeah. Anyways. All right, before we go, anybody have any other business, Fredo? Nope, nothing on my end. I'm curious. You say bog beef, key lime pies on your Mount Rushmore of desserts? You say That's yeah. correct. And I'm not yeah. a, by the way, I'm not a dessert guy. Well, what's, what's your favorite, Fredo? I don't know what my favorite is, but uh, there, by the way, that, it's funny bog beef said that because there was, I think it was just last year, there was a big, uh, there was a big fight naming the Florida state dessert between key lime pie and strawberry shortcake. I feel like strawberry, I, th I think strawberry shortcake was the one that won though. If I recall, yeah, key, I'm allergic to strawberries. So like for me, it's no, uh. it's no, uh, no competition. I don't know. Actually, I honestly don't have a favorite dessert right off the top of my head. Like there's stuff I like and stuff I don't like. Uh, fiance made a cobbler for me a little while back, which is always funny for us because, uh, her favorite cobbler is strawberry, which I cannot eat. My favorite cobbler is apple, which she cannot eat because she's allergic <laughs> to it. So blueberry cobbler is our compromise cobbler. Egg custard pie is my favorite. Yeah. I don't know. The funny one is, <laughs> they, I always tell this, uh, the big meme is that white women love pumpkin. Pumpkin uh, spice stuff, yeah. Yeah. My mom is straight up allergic to pumpkin. She still eats it. 
Pumpkin pie is the best. It is. Actually, that might be one. That might be my favorite. Now that you bring it up, like I can eat pumpkin pie. I can eat a whole pie. I basically, I don't. I, I like. I mean, I don't really eat desserts at all. I don't eat pecan pie. I don't eat none of that stuff. I don't like cake. I don't like none of that crap. All I like, I like two things. I like key lime pie, and it can't be the fluffy s. It's got to be tart. It's got to be sour. It's got to be that thick sludge i mean just you know it, it can't move it's got to be a solid uh it's gonna be very tart i don't want no whipped cream on there nothing uh very tart and um baklava it was just amazing i never had baklava until i was an adult and i went to one of those mediterranean somebody put a mediterranean restaurant near here and i went in there and the lady just gave me baklava and it was amazing it was incredible i, I see i see what the fuss is about well i mean you look at it you're like this must be, it must take more calories to make this than it does to eat it. It's got all these layers and all this. I don't know. It, it, it's it's got it's, it's a lot more going on than other stuff. All right. Well, we got through this without Fed posting. Congratulations to us. Uh, good night, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Have a good night, everybody. Making their way the only way they know how.